Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for episode 85, where I sit down with Ryan Fisher. Let me go through a couple quick highlights of his biography. He spent the last 15 years in the fitness industry, with the majority of that time being dedicated to functional fitness. In 2010, he trained with the U.S. Olympic skeleton and bobsled teams, qualifying for the Olympic trials in both sports. Um, He's been a CrossFit regionals qualifier seven times. He's made fitness programs for the U.S. military, large corporations, several professional athletes around the globe. He hosts one of the top fitness podcasts on iTunes called Real Chalk, and he currently owns and operates one of the top CrossFit affiliates in the world, CrossFit Chalk in Orange County, California. And we hit on a variety of these in the episode today. And I'm just very appreciative for Ryan to take some time out, share his journey with everyone. Um, So I hope you guys go follow him online. Instagram is probably best, at Ryan Fish. So Ryan and then F-I-S-C-H is his handle on Instagram, as well as his website, jimryan.com. Got a phenomenal amount of content out there um, that can help you in your own fitness and nutrition journey. So I hope you guys really enjoy this wide-ranging conversation and my chat today with Ryan Fisher. Let's get it started. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Awesome to have you. Excited to be here. Always good to be on someone else's podcast instead of my own. <laughs> yeah, man. I want to get into talking about a little bit about that. You started that podcast. I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. So kudos to you on it. Um, I wanted to start here, though, on a more lighter note, if I can, because I was looking through some Instagram stuff where I, I follow you a little bit. <laughs> When did you get the idea of swinging kettlebells on the top of a truck moving down a, a, a like a highway or, or a street? When did that idea pop in your head? Well, funny enough, like I have some other friends in the gym that were really into like making videos and they wanted to reach out to like all the coolest people. Since I live in Orange County, like we don't have a ton of big influencers like in Orange County, but LA, there's a ton of them which is like an hour south or hour north, sorry. And um, a lot of these video kids, you know, they did video because they wanted to meet all these people and hang out with them and then create their videos and be in that whole scene. So then they would always be like connecting with these huge names. And then they would always tell me like, oh, you know, what's big right now is like videos, like videos are crushing photos. And then like right now, like, it's it's really cool to have swipe photos. So like not one photo, but like multiple photos. And like, they're always like, they always knew what to do. And they were like, we need to make cool ass videos right now. Like nobody's making. So we were like, what can we do? And I was like, uh, well, I love Whole Foods. So maybe we can swing a kettlebell in the back of my truck and just drive by Whole Foods. <laughs> so we, we decided to just like swing the kettlebell pretty much everywhere. And I genuinely can't, for the life of me figure out how that video didn't go like absolutely viral it just like it did okay but it didn't like crush like i thought and then some of the other top crossfit names like scott panchik's brother uh he put like a an like an air assault runner in the back of a truck and like was running in the back of a truck while he was driving around town and then like the crossfit games like reposted it and everything and i was like all right well I see right where how much they love me. Yeah. Well, now you got to one up. Now you got to go to the next level. What's the next level from there, right? Is always, is I have the, no the idea. I mean, dude, I almost fucking killed myself doing that. Like my kettlebell almost hit the back 
back window of my car. I, I almost fell over a few times, like while you're moving pretty fast. It was, it was actually really hard to do. Well, that's what I was curious about. Cause I'm like, man, that's, that takes incredible balance to be able to do that. What, what, what was the, what weight kettlebell did you use? It was a 53. Okay. I mean, so yeah, you got that moving. You got the truck. I don't know how far the truck was, how fast it was going, but I'm sure it was. Dude, we were going still going least. like 20 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was funny. Cause one of the things, and this will tie into this here in just a little bit, but in terms of like your personal branding online, trying to grow your, you know, various business um, endeavors that you're in. I think that's part of it. You know, you putting your personality out there. Um, it's infectious, right? A lot of the stuff that you're doing, very raw, very you know, vulnerable. That's why I thought that video was funny. It seemed like if we hung out, that's probably your personality. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, that you'd take a, take a chance. A lot of people probably would be scared to do that. Um, all right. So I want to dive in here a little bit. And I really want to talk about you know, especially with the Just Get Started podcast, a lot of folks out there, you know, starting a business or even it's a hobby and wanting to get into it more and more. I'm curious to really take a step back if we can. So, you know, it's probably known online. I, I think you were big in BMX, right? When you were growing up, you did a lot of track. And then, then you went into the Olympics, right? I think it was Olympic bobsled in 2010. Is that right? Correct. So after that, it seemed, I want, I want to take the story from there if we can. We can, we can go back and pry and deeper there. But is why did you make the decision to say, Hey, I'm going to move to Cali. I, did you want to like be a gym owner? Did you want to just get into coaching? What was the reason to go down that route after the, uh, the Olympics? Huh? So the way with the Olympics worked out was I was actually a helicopter pilot first and I was living in Hawaii and my childhood, like I, I started going to the gym when I was like 12 because a friend of mine's dad owned the gym. So I was allowed to be in there like, you know, earlier than most kids were allowed to be in there. And then I remember seeing this guy work out who just was a specimen of a human. I had never seen anybody look like this guy. He was like, I'd seen jacked people before, but I'd never seen anybody who was like super ripped and you could see all their veins and like, you're like, damn, that guy looks really good. Uh, and he was a bobsledder. And I would talk to him and ask him like, you know, what I should do in the gym, basically type of type of stuff. Like I would never do that now to someone. And even if I was younger, I think I'd be scared to ask someone. But at the time I was very confident and I just went over to him and I was like, Hey, what do I do in here? You know, like you look like that. You look the best. So I want to look like you, you know? And he told me he was a bobsledder and like a lot of the stuff he was doing was definitely not like other people in the gym. I mean, like this is like a 24 hour style gym and um, it wasn't a franchise. It was just one but he was always doing like power cleans and stuff in there. Like, so if you walk in the 24 hour fitness, you saw someone do power cleans, not on a platform, you'd be like, wow, this guy's fucking weird. So like, that's what this guy was doing. And he was doing box jumps with dumbbells in his hands and like all these different things. So I just like never really forgot that. It was always something because I was a kid. I looked up to him. It was just like always in the back of my mind. So when I finished getting my helicopter license, I think I was, 18 years old, 19 years old at the time. I was like one of the youngest helicopter pilots in the nation. And as soon as I had graduated school, I saw a flyer from Verizon, the phone company, and they were going around the country doing bobsled and skeleton tryouts. And I was like, huh, <laughs> maybe I'll give that a go. I was like, not because I wanted to, you know, necessarily put all my eggs in that basket. I just got done with helicopter school, but I was like, oh, like, I remember this guy, his name was Pavle, by the way. And um, I was like, I just got to go and do this and just see how I stack up, you know? So I went, 
And I got like second in the nation on all these scores. And it was a 15, a 30, and a 45-meter sprint, a three-rep max back squat, a one-rep max power clean, a vertical jump, and like an underhand like medicine ball toss as far as possible. What, what, what was your level of, um, I, I guess, compared in terms of when you were doing a lot of CrossFit and, and those type of things, like, were you, were you like in top athletic shape at that time? Or was that like still, you were trying to build up to that after the helicopter, um, after doing well, the that? CrossFit, the CrossFit stuff happened after like all of this. So like after the bobsled stuff, I wanted to go back to school and then go into the military to be a pilot. Ah, okay. So so when I was getting ready to go into the military, a friend of mine had told me to join a CrossFit gym to get in shape. And then that's when I like, that's when the whole CrossFit thing hit me. So my, my first ever gym was in Utah because I was training for the Olympic team there in Park City. And I met Tommy Hackenbrook. From my, that was my first gym I'd ever gone to. It was Tommy Hackenbrook's gym. And the, the year that I went to his gym, he had just gotten second at the CrossFit Games. So he was a big deal. But I didn't know any of this, you know? I didn't know how cool the CrossFit Games was. I didn't know how cool Tommy was, like none of that. I just walked in, I just wanted to join, I just wanted to be part of the gym. And, but the first, the, the first day that I walked in, this guy looked at me like I was like, you know, everything he had been waiting for type of thing. I could see it in his eyes. He's like, oh, this is the guy, you know? And we worked out and obviously I was really good right away but I weighed like 210 pounds at the time. I was a big fucking kid from bobsledding and I'm five, five. So like, you know, someone five, five who weighs 208 is pretty big dude. So now I weigh like 175, like for, for scale. And, um, and all the photos you guys see of me on Instagram and everything, I'm between 175 and 180 most of the time. So you can throw 30 pounds on there. So, I had lost a bunch of weight and started training with Tommy. And before I knew it, I was in like every magazine, every CrossFit journal article. I was beating Rich Froning's times on workouts. I mean, I was nuts. You know, like I was obsessed with it. I loved it. And I realized that like I actually had a chance to be the best in the world. So I kind of put everything on hold. And then I eventually moved out to California because I figured California is a cool place for me to not one only do CrossFit, but that's where all like a lot of the top military guys train. So I go out there and if I wanted to go in the military still, or if I wanted to do CrossFit, I'm still in a good place for all of it. Cause there was, there was a, there was a time where I was like, well, I'm such a good athlete to go into the military now to be a pilot seems like a waste. So maybe I should do like special forces or be a seal or something like that. So it was uh it was an obsession to be in the military. It, even when I was a little kid, I used to beg my mom to be in like a, like a private military school and she always thought I was nuts she's like what's wrong with you and I was like I just like I like structure I like discipline I like doing things that all the other kids don't like to do like I like doing shit that's hard like I like being miserable <laughs> like I like I like working right now like I, I like I like to work 15 hours a day like I don't like working five hours a day six hours like if I had a, a full-time job that was eight hours a day I'd fucking kill myself <laughs> do you regret not doing, doing the military it is the only thing in my life that i do regret beyond for sure um i don't but at the same time i feel like it might have been a blessing because you don't know what happens when you come out of a lot of those things and that was that was one of the things that kind of deterred me at, at in the end is i was like all right let's just say i do become a seal or i do become this or that 
when you get out, like I, I haven't heard a ton of great stories from people when they get out. Like if, if, you know, if they get out, like, I mean, sometimes, you know, people get killed and stuff. Like it's, it's a little bit more rare nowadays, but if you do get out, like a lot of them are trying to be firemen, trying to be police officers, trying to be like everyday jobs. And I always had this feeling like I always had this feeling that I was made for more than just that. So even though the military was something I thought was amazing, I was always thinking long-term, even opening my gym, I was thinking long-term. Like I never thought that the gym was just going to be my thing. And I didn't know what it was going to be, but I always, since the first day I was open, I was like, there's got to be more than just this. And you know, that created the online program and the books and nutrition challenges and all this stuff. And it's, well, that, that's a probably a good transition then. Cause I, I want to, I want to figure out how a guy goes from basically being homeless, right. Or living on someone's couch and broke to, I think it was probably within four years, you started your own gym. You, you, you launched that. What happened in that time? Was that a, just like continuing to go through the grind? As you're saying, you're thinking long-term, you knew if I keep putting one foot in front of the other, I'm going to get there. Did you have a lot of self-doubt? Like, oh God, is this really going to happen? What, what was going through your mind for those few years? Dude, self-doubt is, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, absolutely. Anyone who says like, I always knew I was going to make it and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And they always, you know, there's all these people like, I don't know, throw Gary Vee in there or Andy Frisella or any of these big ass, huge names. Like if they really tell you that they didn't think that they were ever going to fail at any point, they're fucking lying. I mean, there, there's times in your life where everything's just so shitty. Like how could you ever imagine it only going that way? Like you have to imagine the possibility of failure, but the possibility of failure is what makes you badass. So like, if you don't think that you're going to fail, then you're on cruise control. I mean, it's, it's like when you get that hot chick that you've always wanted, you finally get to go out with her, you go out with her a few times and all of a sudden like that's your chick and it's more casual, right? Like that's, you know, you want something, you want something, you want something, you get it. And then it's not as cool. So if you keep believing like that, you already have it. I feel like that's not the way to think and that you should actually think about the consequences all the time. Hmm. So, I mean, that's my, my outlook. Getting that. You're saying getting complacent, really, right? It's like you always want to be striving for what's that next lever, right? What's the next lever I can pull, the next step I can take? Always be thinking a little bit more in advance. Yeah, I think so. And, and when, all, when, I, when I was homeless and when all that stuff was happening, to be honest, like to answer that question of like, how did all this happen? The one thing that I think is the most important thing, like if anyone listening to this podcast is going to get one giant nugget out of this whole thing, it would be that you let's just imagine that you're like that person at the car dealership who like is trying to sell a car and you see the guy who looks poor but he's like can buy every car in the lot and you don't treat him well that's how like your whole life is it's your whole life is kind of like all these people who are around you and everybody needs help like you need help right like you you want me to be on your podcast like this is me helping you right now like I'm going to put this out. You're going to get more listeners and that's help. And if, you know, if someone's successful in business, they need more people to help them. Or if someone has an idea, they need people to help them. And whether you're just a coach at a CrossFit gym or the cashier at the supermarket, if someone feels a certain energy about you, they're going to help you and your life is going to be changed immediately. And it can happen at any moment. And I feel like that's the one single thing that I did really, really well throughout my life when I had nothing because I got a personal training client when I was coaching classes 
I mean, when I coached classes, I didn't just coach the class. I would stay after and help people. I would talk to people. I would go out on the weekends with people. Like it was everything. And I did way more than the owner. And not because I was trying to go above and beyond. It was because I really loved my job. I really wanted to put, you know, my best effort of myself forward. Because if I ever wanted anything good to happen to me, I didn't have any money. I need somebody to help me at some point. And eventually one of the guys in the gym was like, Hey, I want you to start personal training me. And I was like, all right, cool. But the only reason he picked me over the other coaches was because I put more time in. And then I would, we would always talk and then he would always ask me what I wanted to do. And I talk about what I wanted to do, which was like own a gym. But I didn't necessarily like really, like I always dreamed of owning a gym, but I didn't really want to own a gym because there was too many around. It wasn't anything I wanted to do. And then I didn't realize how much money this guy had. He looked like a normal dude. Like he, he wore like regular clothes, drove an F-150. He had an accent because he's from New Zealand. And come to find out, this guy made MySpace and sold it for like $55 million. That wasn't, is that Tom? The, so the, Tom's uh, the guy who invented MySpace, right? There's, some, there's people who made it also. So oh, guy, gotcha. This guy named Aaron Sloman is the guy who made it. And that's my business partner. Oh, wow. And, okay. <clears throat> so yeah he had tons of money and he was like ready to help me and he's like i think you should own a gym i think it's gonna work out and i have this interesting space that's not even on the market that we can take over and i think it would be really great and i went and looked at it and i was like this is gonna be awesome so i mean there's a lot more that goes into it i'm trying to be quick here but at the same time like it was that moment where i was like all right this is really really cool and this would never have happened if it wasn't just for the way that i coached like literally that moment was just because of the way that I coached and then opening the gym. I didn't trust anybody to coach in the gym. <laughs> so I coached every class every day because I saw other coaches and I was like, Oh, these guys suck. I can't have this because I need to pay all this money back. And like, I was so stressed about the, the business doing well. So to have someone else, coaching when I wasn't coaching was like terrifying. Like I just hated the thought of it. So eventually I realized that that's not humanly possible after like two months. I was like, I cannot do this anymore. So I did hire my first coach, but during that whole time I did something. It was slightly on accident, but it was also because I didn't want to do it. So like every web, every CrossFit gym in the world was putting their workouts online. Like if you ever want to go to a CrossFit gym, you'd look up their workouts online and that's how you decide which gym you wanted to go to. Like these workouts are hard. These workouts are more strength biased. These are more cardio biased. This, right. that, going back and forth. So I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to put my workouts on there. I'm like, it takes me like 10 hours on a Sunday to write these damn things. So forget it. Plus I don't have time to do it. I'm coaching all the classes, you know? So like four or five months went by before I even had the ability to even have the time to put them online. And then in that, at, at that time, the gym was already killing it. Like I had a hundred members my first day and I think I was up to like 200, like six months in. And by the end of the year, I had 300 members, but we were doing so well. And I was like, well, I don't need to put the workouts online. Forget it. And I never, Instagram wasn't really super big yet. Like there was no online programming yet. Like Invictus was still free. Ben Bergeron stuff was not even like a thing yet. Um, there, there wasn't, there was no CrossFit mayhem. None of that stuff was happening. So 
they're all posting their workouts for free. Meanwhile, I'm not posting shit. So eventually, you know, I started to realize that you could sell things online and I was getting a couple phone calls a day from Norway, Mexico, God knows where, right? They're all like, we saw one of your workouts on your story and we think your workouts are really cool. Like we were just wondering what your workout was today. And I was like, you just called to find out what the workout was. Like it started getting really annoying to me. And I'd get emails like, Hey, how can we see your workouts? Like whatever. And I'd always just be like, you can't see them. It's for members only. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you people. Uh, and then eventually I was like, you know what? I need to solve this problem. I need less phone calls. I need less emails. I'm just going to make this an online program for people to follow. But I didn't even do it in terms of like, I'm going to do this to make money. It was like, I need to solve this problem because it genuinely was annoying. <laughs> like I was getting, yeah, a lot I, of I imagine. Right. Well, that's a time suck too. If you're getting all those phone calls, you're coaching a lot. You're trying to run this gym, be, you know, and obviously make that successful. So it was, but a I wouldn't even answer end. them. I wouldn't answer them. I'll just open them and be like, I'm sorry. And then just close and then send it off. Or if someone called up again, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't tell you. Like, so it started to become like, well, what the fuck is the workout? <laughs> you know? So like <laughs> when I first opened the online program, I'll never forget that first like week that it was open. I was making the same amount every month as I was making in the gym. So like the amount that I was making monthly in the gym, I already made like the amount of people I had signed up after a week was going to make me that same amount at the end of the month. And I was like, wow. holy fuck. I was like, <laughs> And it wasn't a lot of money. You know, I mean, it was four, it was, I was paying myself $4,000 in the gym. And like in the first week, I was going to make $4,000 in online sales. And I was like, but for someone to make, you know, 50 grand a year to 80 or 90, whatever that was, was like a huge, huge change. But I didn't change anything in my life. I still drove the same car, still lived in the same place. I didn't, I didn't buy anything. I just was, it was just an interesting feeling of knowing that I was making twice the amount. So... Yeah. Can I, can I ask yeah. a question? I'm going to go back for a, just a bit, a bit. How did you, um, when you actually launched the gym, like what was the biggest hurdle getting that space up and running? Were there any things you ran in through um, to kind of the get name. it off the ground? The name was really, really hard because CrossFit kept denying every name I gave them. And they were like, you can't use names. You can't use cities. You can't use this. You can't be too close to this name, to that name. And like, I remember you're allowed to send in every email you send them has to have five names on it in order of which one you want first. And I went back and forth with 88 emails. So a few times 88 by five, that's how many, that's how many names I had suggested. Wow. And they eventually wrote me back and said, you know, none of these names are working out. I think we should, you know, end this. And so we're going to give you a few names to choose from. And they wrote me back and said, what about these three names? And two of them, I don't, re I don't recall as nearly as clear as the one that was on there that made me literally die hysterically laughing. They wanted me, because I lived in Orange County, they're like, what if you call your gym CrossFit Sweet Fruit? And because I tried Orange Box, because there's a gym called Black Box. I was like, all right, Orange Box, because I'm in Orange County, uh, or all these things. And they said, you know, all that was taken. What do you think about CrossFit Sweet Fruit? And I'm like, I wrote them back, and I said, who, to whom this may concern, listen, I am opening a gym that costs potentially about a million dollars. I'm going to be a huge amount of marketing for you guys. I'm going to have one of the nicest gyms CrossFit's ever had. And you want me to put CrossFit Sweet Fruit on the sign? I was like, 
you guys are out of your mind. I was like, I am not going to affiliate, to affiliate, sorry. I was like, I'm gonna use one of my original names from the first email, except it's not gonna have CrossFit attached to it. And like, basically, you guys can go fuck yourselves. And I got a phone call from Kathy Glassman, <laughs> which is oh. like, you know, Greg Glassman's wife at the time. And she's like, she's like, so on your original email, there was a name, the, the chalk one, obviously. And she's like, someone did reserve that name, but they never paid for it. And it's been under contract for like five or six months and we haven't heard anything from them. So what we're going to do is we'll give you this name, but you have to pay for it literally right now. And then don't tell anybody that this happened because we're not allowed to give away names that people had already reserved. We can get in a lot of trouble, which you know, I, I'm sure I can talk about now because it's six years later. And I don't think that she- Yeah, no, no care. She's not part of it anymore anyway. But um, I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. If I can have chalk, let's fucking go. So I did it. And, but dude, that was a phenomenal amount of emails and work and just like every last second of your life at, at all moments is just literally comprised of only thinking of names. You know what I mean? Like imagine you're having like a baby tomorrow. It's like, what should the name be? And she's yeah. just going, going crazy, right? Like the, the name of the gym was driving me nuts. And I, it was very important to me for the name to be something short and sweet that was not sweet fruit. <laughs> right, <laughs> not and, sweet fruit. And that also sounded really good without the name CrossFit. So there's a lot of CrossFit gyms you know, without the word CrossFit, their name doesn't make any sense. So that was really important to me because what if CrossFit ever died? Or what if CrossFit was ever, you know, not cool anymore or this happened or that happened? And that's another one of those times where I'm telling you now is I was always thinking ahead. And I was like, how cool would it be if I had something that was just once like one awesome word? Um, and then that word just, I, I my, my first three names were Chalk, uh, Sweat. I was going to call it just Sweat. Cause I thought like, you know, girls and stuff would drive by and see a place that was called sweat and they'd be super into it. And then the other one was diesel. I just thought diesel sounded cool and I was going to have like all industrial style inside. So those are my, did, they let, did, did you ever hear one? I'm, I'm curious. What was the time frame between the first email and like number 88? Well, between the conversation with my partner and to when we signed the lease. So the conversation with my partner, 30 days later, we had signed a lease. And then two months after that, 60 days later, I had created the, the chalk gym that you see today. So, I mean, all that paint, all that equipment, everything. I mean, the fact that I got that together in 60 days was completely insane. Yeah, that, that's pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> well, especially too, if you had to delay in the name, because now you can't brand anything, right? That takes, that takes some time to actually brand it once you get the name, so... I'm sure there's some hiccups there. Why did, did, did they ever tell you like, why didn't diesel or sweat? Why didn't they allow those? Um, I don't remember. I think there was like, I think there was a ton of gyms that had diesel in the name and then a ton of gyms that had sweat in the name. So the, the original reason they told me I couldn't have chalk for instance was because there was a chalk line CrossFit a chalk dust like there was a bunch of names that had chalk already in it they didn't tell me that someone took that name okay and um yeah there was a ton of different names they were like well there's already it's already in i almost called it brute crossfit but not like not like brute strength that company but like b u i mean b r u t just like like a bitter taste 
and they were like, you can't use that one because there's a brute with an E. And then let's just say you guys are in the CrossFit games and it's like, all right, brutes in first place, but then brute with the E is in second. And it's like, you know, and this one and that one. And it's like, she's like, it's a nightmare. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I get it. Yeah, that's fair. How, yeah. how did you get the first, you mentioned day one, you had a hundred members sign up. How did you get there? Like, was that a deprived area of not a lot of gyms or did you just do a lot of marketing to that? How did, how did you get those folks in day one like that? I live in Orange County. At the time, I lived in the most condensed area of CrossFit gyms in the world. So if you were to open a gym in the absolute worst place on the entire face of the planet, it would be where I was opening my gym. Like if anyone was going to give you money for a gym, I would be the last person you'd ever give money to because I was in the absolute worst place ever. <laughs> so how did you do it? That what was the what was the uh, attraction? I guess was it just because it was new and fresh? Did people know you and liked your style and said, "Hey, this could be really cool"? What was the? Well, I knew what all the gyms in the area were lacking. So if I was in the worst place on earth, like I'm trying to explain to you, then what makes me think I'm going to be successful? Well, I was a relatively famous CrossFit athlete I had traveled all over the world going to different gyms and I had seen what different gyms looked like and Orange County's like we have probably have more rich people here than almost any other place on earth at least for you know America like I mean this is an insanely insanely like money dense area and the gyms that we have access to were just terrible I mean the gym that I worked at was a complete shithole like it was the epitome of just like the the average crossfit gym at the time just like a roll-up door uh probably clean the floors like once twice a week there's chalk everywhere i mean it looked cool you know it was like that hard grind feel but you're not going to get someone pulling up in a bentley to pay 200 dollars a month for that or someone who's driving around in their nice car or whatever there's a lot of them around here even though for a while if you wanted to do CrossFit, that was the only place you could go. So, and, or all of these places combined, they were all the same vibe. So if people wanted to go they were they just didn't know any better, but I had went to gyms in LA and went to gyms, you know, in other places of the world where I was like, Holy shit, this is so nice. And having my partner who had all that money, I was like, all right, we're going to make something looks like this. And I show him pictures of all these different gyms and all my favorite features of all of them. And I'm like, all right, this is what it's going to look like. And it's going to be cool. And we're going to get a lot of people. So, Knowing that this, the area needed that, I created the Instagram for CrossFit Chalk. And I think every gym in the world had like, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a thousand, two thousand followers. I had like 10,000 followers before we even opened the doors because, you know, first off, it was me opening a gym. So that helped, I'm sure. But then like every post was about how cool this gym was going to be. Like I would show a receipt. I'd be like, I just bought 30 grand in comp plates and I'd show a picture of the competition plates and like a receipt. And then people were like, holy fuck. Like I had never even seen a gym with all comp plates. And then I was like, all right, just bought 10 assault bikes, just bought 10 rowers. Like everyone already, everybody only had like one assault bike in their gym. Like it wasn't even a thing yet. And then like just knowing that you're going to be able to go somewhere where you had all this equipment it started to just build a lot of hype. And I would just always talk about the things that were going to be in this gym and like when it was going to open. And then eventually when it was opening, I was like, all right guys, it's opening in three days in two days in one day. And then all of a sudden, like everybody was just there. They were all ready. A lot of like, as soon as people started seeing some of the photos, they're all putting their cancellations in and all the other gyms. Cause they were like, well, 
I love this place, but I really want nice equipment. And this place looks like it's going to be cool. And it was. Well, and, and you know, it's kind of a, some good learning there. You leverage your brand. You, as you said, you kind of got an Instagram was probably newer at that time, not newer, but like maybe not as, you know, popular as it is today. So able to leverage that as well and ultimately kind of grow that early following, which, and I think goes back to what you mentioned is like the, the sense of more service that you put in when you were coaching, right? That you're always there, always on top. I'm sure people saw that early on as well. So they're like, not only is there cool equipment, all right, this place seems like they're going to take care of me as well. So ultimately I'm assuming that's why you went from hundred to 200 to 300 pretty quickly um, in that regard. And when did you switch on? So you mentioned a little earlier that you started to kind of see this, like people were calling you and bothering you about, Hey, I need the workout. So you started putting those online, started charging for those. When, when did you kind of make this, I don't want to know if shift is the best word, but to start going with a lot of these online programs. I, I know online you do a lot of nutrition stuff. You got these cool different programs. I know you're doing the carb cycling and all this other stuff. When did you decide to kind of transition and say, hey, I got to bring a lot of this coaching online or bring this to the masses? Was that more recently or had you been doing that for a little while? Or, Well, I'm officially now just like concentrated mainly online. I just hired my first manager in six years. I'd never, I've never trusted anyone to ever run the gym. So this is a time where, I mean, even like this, the last two weeks, I've probably been in the gym, like just a handful of times, which is insanely weird for everybody in the gym. When I'm there, they're like, Oh my God, you're here. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you're like freaking out. But like the goals I have for myself right now, I just, I can't, I can't get there by being inside that gym. And I mean, it makes me sad a little bit. Like that was where my whole life started. It was, you know, it's the start of all this and you're, I constantly hear things like, oh, Ryan doesn't care anymore about the gym or this or that. And it's like the complete opposite. Like I'm out here blowing the gym up <laughs> in other ways and working incredibly hard, whether I'm in my house or at the coffee shop or in fucking Sweden, I was in recently doing stuff for the gym and like, they just don't get it, you know? And it's like, it's, it really, really bothers me <laughs> that like people think that I'm not working hard because I'm not in the gym. But also my goals to really blow things up and to, you know, not have to worry. I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I don't want to have to worry about money when I'm 50, 60 years old. I want to make sure that I've made enough and, you know, the passion that I decided to follow throughout my life was enough to, you know, let me retire. Like we don't, no one's guaranteed tomorrow or retirement in this type of career. It's, you know, you, you make as much as you can and you save it and you invest it and hopefully, hopefully you're good, but there is no like 401k. There is no, like, this is not some company that's going to take care of me. If something happens, like I am everything. And I told you before I was paying myself $4,000 a month in an area where like the average household income is probably like two or $300,000 a month. Like forget poor. I mean, I'm not even on the map <laughs> for any no. sort of income title around here. And and yeah, I just, I want to, I, I want to make all that stuff happen. You know, I want to buy my mom a house. I want to make sure everybody in, in my family, I, I want to be that person in my family, you know, and I'm on my way there now. So it all worked out, but I just like, I sometimes have those like shitty feelings of like, I wish I was still in the gym and still competing and all that. And it's just, unfortunately, it's just not the, that's just not what's going to get me to the next step anymore. And I think I feel bad for a lot of CrossFitters right now who are still holding on to the fact that they need to compete 
to keep their name alive and to keep making money. And it's like, you don't need to anymore. Like you're a cool guy. You did well. And like, just market yourself. And everybody's so scared to market themselves. It's, it's really sad. I have, I have some amazing coaches that I scream at. I'm like, please fucking market yourself. Like you're such a great person and you work in this gym that's so famous and like it it doesn't it won't take a lot for you to start getting a following but they're just they're like i'm not like you i can't just get on the camera i can't just talk like i'm whatever and i'm like all right well fucking i don't know what to tell you like they want to go back to school to be a nurse or something like that i'm like you can make your yearly salary in a month if you just believe in yourself how i'm curious because if i if i saw online properly you're um you have to have like a knee replacement or something. You, you don't compete anymore. You can't really do anything like that. Um, how, how did you get over that? Like, did you accept that? Hey, listen, I'm not, I don't have the same, you know, capabilities as I once did. You know, you can't, you know, maybe you can still bobsled. I don't know, but like doing all those activities you did years ago, like did that take a while to accept that? Was, was there a, a lull period, if you will, from a mindset standpoint, or was it pretty quick for you to realize? Dude, my knee's been messed up for a very long time. Like a lot of people don't know how bad it was for a while. And I just was like, well, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Whatever. And then like, I would never like see, like I was always in pain when I would squat. It's mainly just like squatting below parallel or anything with like impact. If I do, I can't run. Like if I run a mile or something, I'll be limping for like the rest of the day. If I do a bunch of box jumps, I'll be limping the rest of the day. Uh, even like a bunch of snatches or a bunch of cleans, like that jumping repetitive force into the ground, I'll be like limping around. And I was watching a video of myself from a CrossFit Open like maybe three years ago, and there was a 265 snatch at the end of this pull-up workout. It was the last open workout, and I still have the video on my phone. I caught 265. I did it for like two or three reps in the workout, but the way that I caught it, I was so crooked and it looked so scary on the camera. I didn't feel it at all when it happened, but I just watched the video after. And I was like, that one video, I was like, I'm done. I'm not competing anymore. And everybody's like, what happened? I'm like, nothing. Watch this video. <laughs> and then I'd show them the video and they're like, holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like I try to tell you guys how bad my knee hurts, but like now you guys can actually see what's going to happen if I keep doing this? Like I'm going to hurt my hip and my shoulder and my back and everything's going to be messed up. So what's the point? And wow. like, yeah, I probably could have done a couple more years of competing, but to get what, even if I went to the games, I got third place. I always say this analogy to people. That's $50,000. You could have two personal training clients three days a week for hundred dollars an hour and make more money than the person who got third place at the CrossFit games. So you could work six hours a week <laughs> and get the same and have a way better life, way less sacrifice. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a totally different life. Like I don't, I don't, I just don't even see any of it being worth it anymore. Like I think the only thing that's worth it is winning the CrossFit games and then all the sponsorships that come with it and all of that. But then even that I don't think is enough. You'd have to win it multiple times or you must have had won it in such an incredible fashion that you left with some sort of legacy right away and started creating a bunch of different companies and such. So. Well, well one of the things idea. too, and you kind of mentioned this a, a bit ago was, and I think we'd call it kind of diversifying your, you know, your portfolio, if you will, like you'd say, you didn't say, okay, I just have the gym. You want to do all these other things as well. 
So again, away from just being an athlete or just own the gym, you want to do a variety of stuff. And one of the things I did want to talk about, just because we're on a podcast, is starting your podcast, The Real Chalk. Did you always, not maybe not always, but did you always have an idea of like, this would be kind of cool to do a podcast someday? Did someone throw that idea like, hey, this would be a good thing to get out there? How did that, how does the inception of The Real Chalk podcast? Another thing I didn't want to do. <laughs> so I actually created the first one because everybody in my gym would always ask me questions about nutrition. And in the first two months, as you know, I coached every class. I didn't, I didn't want to talk to anybody outside of classes because I wanted to train for CrossFit regionals at the time. So I was coaching 10 classes a day and I had two privates. So 12 hours a day, no matter what, I had to coach. And in between, like, I'd have like little 10, 15 minute breaks and I would just randomly like do the most ridiculous workout you had ever heard of in like 10 minutes and then get back to work and do that multiple times a day. And then people would ask me questions and I'd be like, dude, I can't tell you everything I want you to know right now in like 30 seconds. So one of these days, I'm just going to make a, an hour long like show and I'll just like put it out and send it to everybody. And I did. And I made this. Nutrition 101 was the first podcast. And then people thought it was fucking hilarious. And then they shared it with their friends. And they're like, we should make another one on going out to eat. Because you always talk about like all this stuff about going out to eat and oils and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, sure. Made another one. And then my, one of my coaches from the gym at the time was like, we should do a podcast. I know how to do it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And then we started doing it. And it's, it, I, I couldn't believe how fast it took off. Like people were super into it. And then one of my friends who owned a gym in San Diego, when I was homeless, he was the only one to let me work out at his gym when I didn't have anything. And his name's Anders Varner. And he wound up becoming the new host of Barbell Shrug, which was the biggest podcast in health and fitness. Like genuinely, it was the biggest one. And he was like, hey, we're, we're, we're doing this thing that um, like it, it's kind of like creates like an umbrella effect for, for podcasts. So it's like we're already the biggest one, but we're going to have a couple other ones underneath us. So instead of having a podcast, you know, once a week, we're going to have one every day, but it's not going to be us like every day. Like we're going to be just on Monday and then we're hoping that you'd be on Tuesday and we'll have – like right now we have like Jason Kalipa on Wednesday and all these people. So I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And they're like, Hey, we don't know how it's going to go, but let's give it a go. And I'm like, and we did it. And they're like, the biggest thing was like, we wonder how many of our listeners, cause they had 700,000 downloads a month. They're like, we wonder how many of them are going to listen to your show and everybody else's shows and whatever. So like right away, everybody decided that they were going to listen to like at least my show. So like a lot of people have been fired since then, but I've been around the longest and uh, I instantly got like all of their listeners, <laughs> which was crazy. So yeah, then it just became huge. Now I literally travel everywhere all over the world. And that's the first thing people say when they meet me is they're like, Oh, I listen to your podcast. It's so awesome. And I'm like, wow, it's, that's awesome. Like I've, I literally have been thinking about quitting that podcast at least a million times this month. And it's the first thing you thought of, huh? <laughs> Isn't it amazing though? Like life in general, like I, I'm so like, sometimes you kind of sit and ponder life. It's like, you know, five, let's just take five years ago, right? 
you would have never even thought in a million years that you would do a podcast. And now it's like one of the top, you know, health and fitness podcasts out there. Isn't that pretty crazy how life works sometimes if you just stay positive and kind of move forward, you know? I mean, dude, everything I have right now, I didn't want to do. Like I didn't, I didn't want to open the gym. I thought it was a cool idea, but there's too many gyms. And I was, I was nervous to open one, to be honest. Like, even though I had this vision of something that no one else had, I was like, dude, I don't know. There's still a lot of gyms in the area. And then the podcast I didn't want to do. I didn't really want to do online programming. I just wanted people to stop emailing me. Like everything was, and then even the podcast was to get people to stop asking me questions about nutrition. So like the whole thing was to stop talking to me. And instead, all I do is talk now. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting how that changes. What are, um, what are, what are a couple things you're excited for 2020? Oh man, I have some pretty cool stuff I'm working on. Like I have, I haven't officially started this one thing that I really want to do, but I really want to create an online course that basically goes through all of the steps of creating like your own gym and your own online programming and then how to even run all of the ads and everything that you would have to do to blow it up. And like literally like an all in one, one stop shop of, you know, basically how to make a million dollars, I guess, but doing what you love to do. So, I mean, a lot of people don't know that I actually own a like social media marketing company that, that does all of my stuff. And I do probably if like, if you're in the CrossFit space, there's like, if you can think of like the two or three people that are probably most influential in the space in terms of like giving people information and being the person that you're like, damn, like this guy, this is the guy I want to follow. Like not just for workouts, but like he has a lot of great information. I do all of their online sales. And the reason that they, you know, do well is because of this company. And I also have people who like work with Gary Vee and I have a WWE professional wrestler. (laughs) I have like a bunch of people on there. I have a movie star, a bunch of people that go through this process of selling products online and it all goes through like social media marketing. And I want to add that knowledge of what we do there onto this course. So it's like, all right, I want to become, you know, an online trainer or I just want to open a gym. I want, I want to go through all the avenues of what you need to do to get to either one of those places, but then also show how to use online marketing and social media marketing to your advantage. So you don't have to waste any money anywhere. Like, like why make a bunch of flyers and put them all over the place? If you can just make a couple ads for way less and not have to deal with any of that. What's the name? What's the name of the company? That's called Jim Ryan LLC. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you, is that something you just, so you Jim started, did you acquire is, something or? Jim Ryan is G Y M. And then it's, uh, the reason I made it Jim Ryan LLC is because everything started with the gym, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And that, is that your main website, right? JimRyan.com. Yep. So all of that kind of is like one encompassing thing. So Ryan, what well, is, I, I, I'm yeah. kind of curious, like maybe a, a lasting takeaway, if you will, you've, you've had some, there's some great thoughts throughout this, but anything for someone maybe in that early stage, that's trying to go on their own journey, anything you would maybe give them some insight on or additional thoughts to, to kind of keep going forward on that path. Anything you've learned along the way that's been helpful for you? Uh, 
I mean, I think the most important thing is just because everything isn't going the way that you want it to go right now doesn't mean you need to give up on it. I, I feel I always feel bad when someone tries to do something and they, they don't try for nearly that long and they just give up on it. And I, I hate saying you can't give up because that's like what everybody says. But I think that maybe if the way that you're trying to go about it isn't working out, then maybe you just switch it up a little bit. And I think that there's, there's so many like darts to throw at the board <laughs> and like, you're always, you're not going to always hit the bullseye every single time. It's just like, you got to find your groove and a lot, people just give up way too easy. And then they, they like, like my coaches, for instance, that I, that I tell you that I have a lot of belief in they'll, they'll try to be cool on Instagram for like a week. And they're like, Oh, this doesn't work for me. And I'm like, Oh my God, you didn't, you barely tried. <clears throat> and I think that a lot of people really, really are, they're blind to the fact that Instagram is here to make money. Facebook is here to make money. Snapchat's here to make money. The new thing, uh, the TikTok, they already have ads all over that. All of these things, if you don't have a million followers, you can pay to have a million followers. And, and I don't mean pay to have a million followers in terms of, go buy yourself a million fake followers. I mean, if you put enough money behind an ad, you will get the same reach as the person with a million followers. So if you have a good enough product, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you're, you're equal to the person with a million followers, 2 million followers. Like I spent $10,000 a month right now on ads and it's probably equal to me having 10 million followers. Right. Mm. So that's why my, account with 185,000 followers, I can make more money than someone who make, who has 10 million followers on their account. And a lot of people, they see that they're like, Oh my God, this person has 10 million followers. I can never compete. And it's like, no, you don't understand. There's this whole back end thing that's happening. I made a whole podcast recently. That's called, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. And it's with me and another guy who does online marketing. And we just talk about how it doesn't matter. And I didn't want to believe it at first, but it is a real thing. Like it really doesn't matter how many followers you have anymore. It just matters how much money you're going to put into your ads and all, and all that. So if you really have a product that you really believe in, it's still cheaper to go on social media and market it than it is to open a brick and mortar and hope that all these people are going to walk through your door and have bills and all this stuff. And you pay for an ad and it doesn't work out. It's over. You sign a five year lease you got a long liability on your hands. <laughs> how's your, uh, Ryan, how's your TikTok game right now? Is it, is it, are you, are you on that? Dude, so I have it, but I can't figure it out. Like I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to, cause I'm like a super adventurous person. Like I love hiking and mountain biking and all this cool stuff. So I was like, maybe I'll just use it just for that type of stuff. Or maybe I'll just post some of the funny videos that I've done or I've tried like all sorts of different things. And sometimes I'll have a video that hits like 50, 60,000 views like right away or it'll hit like a hundred. And in my opinion, they're all kind of the same, but there is definitely, you get lucky on there. But what's, what's cool about it is it's still, it's the only platform right now where you can get organic engagement like for free. And at the same time, like it could happen very, very easily. Like you might post the dumbest thing and just get a million views. 
Whereas that's not possible on Instagram anymore. Like that whole, like becoming Instagram famous in like a day thing like that, that was a thing back in the day, but it's it, completely impossible now. Like we don't have the explore page anymore. We just have like a popular page that's algorithmed off of what Instagram mm -hmm. thinks that we're going to like. The popular page used to be the same page for every single person on earth on Instagram, but now it's totally different. So TikTok is the only place on earth right now, the only app that you could still have that effect, which makes it a lucrative kind of experience. Like it, it really makes me want to use it more, but it's like, it's so young and like, you have to be like such a little like nerd, you know what I mean? Did you put your kettlebell video on there? I did. And I don't think it did that well. It got like maybe two or 3000 views, but have you ever seen that video of me wearing like three belts? And I'm like screaming about wearing all these belts. Uh, I can't remember. I've probably seen it, but was it, was it a long time ago or recent? I, I made it a long time ago, but I basically was like doing jerks with like 95 pounds. And I had, I was wearing three belts <laughs> and like, I took off the first belt and then like the second belt and everybody like, but you can't see the two belts that are underneath. And then when I take off the third belt, it's almost like hysterical. You're like, oh my God, this guy wore all this shit just for 95 pounds. And it's basically me making fun of people wearing belts. <laughs> but that thing got like 70,000 views. I'm like, holy shit. And I only have, I only have like, I don't know, a hundred followers on there or something ridiculous. But to get 70,000 views is nuts. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, keep, keep uh, I guess, grinding on it. Maybe it'll, uh, maybe it'll turn out with something. The good news is you're actually trying it out, right? You're trying to play around with it and see if it works. So um, it could be the next avenue. Who knows? There's a new app that I'm very interested in. It's called Anchor. Have you seen Anchor? Like Anchor for podcasts? Yeah, it's for podcasts. Yeah. So, like, you could upload your podcast to that and it automatically disperses it everywhere for you. But also, it like it makes it super easy to like make intros and you know add a little bit of volume and and pizzazz to your podcast and everything. It's super cool. I thought I, I think it's eventually you're gonna have a lot of people who want to talk, and I think that's probably gonna just just be the main thing. Like oh, even over like going to iTunes because not everyone has iTunes or not everyone has SoundCloud or whatever. So I think having like one basic, very uh, like universal app might be like the next thing. Yeah, podcasting is going to be very interesting over the next few years. There, it's definitely an arms race right now of who's going to be, you know, is it going to be Spotify? Is it going to be iTunes? Is it going to be, you know, whatever. iHeartRadio claims they're the best, you know. So there's all these out there. It's who's going to actually be the main player. And then ultimately from an editing standpoint, as more people get into it, yeah, Anchor is kind of one of those that definitely for someone that wants a simplistic opportunity, that could be a way to go to start. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes over the next few years. Absolutely. Ryan, this has for been sure. fun, man. I've, I've yeah. enjoyed chatting with you. I wish I could chat with you for five hours. I'm sure we can have, we can get into nutrition, get into a whole bunch of stuff, maybe another time. But um, any last words, anything else you want to uh, say to the, uh, the listeners? Uh, what do you think they want to hear from me? They'd love to probably sit here and chat about nutrition and fitness and all that. We probably don't have the time today, but we'll get into that. Well, if I was, if I, was I could wrap that up. We haven't yeah. even hit that at all. But if, if I had to say anything about nutrition for a take home, I would just say, for the rest of your life, make sure every single thing that you eat has a purpose. I think that was like the one thing that changed my life. Like just to make sure that everything I was putting in my body had a reason. Like if you're going to eat a muffin, why? Like if you're going to eat a piece of steak, why? Like I think 
everything before you eat it, you should ask yourself why. And I also think that if you ever want to get lean, I think that the term earn your carbohydrates, which is what I run with for all my programs is very applicable. I mean, people always talk about caloric deficit is the only thing that matters and it does, but what's hard about being in a caloric deficit? You're on a diet, you can feel that you're in a caloric deficit and you know that you're doing something that you don't typically do and it makes it suck and it makes you not like it. But when you earn your carbohydrates, you're eating more fat and eat more, eating more protein throughout the day. You're feeling more satiated. And at the end of the day, it's the easiest caloric deficit there is to do. So you're going to get leaner and it's going to be easier than anything else out there. And it's, you're not sitting there measuring everything. You're just kind of like eyeballing stuff and you eat carbs after you work out. It's fucking easy. So make sure everything you eat has a purpose, earn your carbs. And I wouldn't really stress about too much else. Yeah, no, that's great. No, that's great insight. And I'll link up the, um, your podcast. So folks, if they, if they aren't listening in, can listen in, cause obviously you have a lot of different episodes on a variety of topics, right? Um, I really like the one I haven't finished yet. The one you have with the Mr. Olympian, the, the, the I think it just came out recently as well. Yeah. But, Jeremy Buendia. Yeah. That was, that was really intriguing. Some of the stuff you guys got into, but, um, I was yeah, I'll link all that, that up. Is the easiest way for people to connect with you online just Instagram, probably anywhere else you'd uh, suggest? JimRyan.com, we talked about. You have the podcast. Anywhere else you'd suggest them to go? No, Ryan Fish, R Y A N F I S C H. That's my Instagram. And then anything that I'm going to be selling or doing is going to be on JimRyan.com. And that's spelled like a Jim, G Y M R Y A N.com. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks so much, man, for joining. This was phenomenal. And uh, good luck to you. Hope to connect with you down the road sometime. Appreciate it, man. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you in the next one. And if I could make one ask of the community, if you did enjoy this one or others, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, give me a rating, let me know how I'm doing. It also gives a chance for this podcast to get bubbled up to more people, more exposure on it, and hopefully help other people on their journeys kind of get to that next level. And go check me out online, brianondraco.com is the website. Um, I have the podcast there, blog. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed in the last couple months, what's going on in my world. Um, at worst, it allows my mom to keep tabs on me and make sure I'm doing okay. And feel free to connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at brianondraco. Send me a DM. Let me know how you guys are doing, a little bit about your journey. I love to connect with new people and kind of hear what's making them passionate and motivated to reach fulfillment in their life. So I thank you guys again for listening in. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.